what, what are the four? There's there's Twin Sails, Yellow Dog, Parkside, Moody, and Port Moody were the four original. And then and there's then, Rewind. Well, yeah. and then Bakery opened. They shut down, didn't they? Yeah, oh, I'm getting there. So Bakery oh, opened, and then Rewind opened, and Rewind is owned by Parkside. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, so... But they do like completely different yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But they're yeah they're kind of and uh, Rewind has some food offerings as well. And then right when Rewind was opening, Bakery got bought and shut down. And they've reopened and rebranded as Brave Brewing. Interesting. So I haven't I haven't tried the new one yet, but huh? Oh, I have yeah. I haven't I never saw it. Usually I get like a little notification of a new brewery or something. Yeah, I wanted to, we had kind of previously talked about doing a special episode that just kind of covers that strip of breweries. Oh, so worth it. But that was right when Bakery was closing and Rewind was about to open, so we... Well, good thing we waited. Yeah, we're going to have to do it with the, the new kind of rendition. Absolutely. And... Rocky Point Spirits is there as well on that strip, which is cool. Yes, because that's what I need is more is spirits after my one one flight at each brewery, and I'm already yeah <laughs> really yeah. Uh, happy. <laughs> Welcome to Taste BC Radio, where we're going on a journey to explore restaurants, breweries, wineries, and just about anywhere where we can eat or drink local. I'm Jeff. And I'm Dan. And we are talking twice a month about local BC food and drink. If you want to join in on the conversation, follow us on Instagram or Facebook at TasteBCRadio or email us at host at TasteBCRadio.ca. All right, tasters, let's get into it. Hey, Dan. Hey, Jeff. How's it going? It's going, man. It's going. Things are yeah. happening. Life is happening. and uh, <laughs> Life doesn't stop for no one. <laughs> nope. Nope. Lots of, yeah. <laughs> lots of stuff going on. How about yourself? Yeah, lots of stuff. I mentioned last episode that my friend was in the hospital. Well, she's home now, which is good. Amazing. Long road to recovery, but... It's nice to have that and yeah. back into to school, but it's been a very interesting semester so far because with the accident and then with the snow and then with the transit strike, which happened a few days ago, and Jeez. possibly some more transit strike happening, it's just been really chaotic. And a lot of classes have been online or canceled or moved or asynchronous. And so it'll be really nice just to get back into the swing of things and have things go back to normal. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Um, and especially because this last semester or the previous semester that was disrupted with the TA strike. And this semester is my last semester. And I'd really like to just finish and not have anything go wrong. <laughs> just, <laughs> yeah. Could I yeah. once just have a normal semester, please? Yeah. I just, it's been that way my whole life with school. Like I, when I was in grade nine, we were supposed to have take your kids to work day, but there was actually a teacher strike. And so that was canceled. And then when I was in grade, I think 10, there was supposed to be this like, adventure thing that our class went on and then that was canceled because of the year before that was behaved so poorly and then when i was in grade 12 all like the grad activities were suspended because um of like a bad history and like safety concerns and then oh my gosh (laughs) yeah so it's been i've had an interesting school career career within school yeah and it's just for some reason never seem to really like i've always kind of gotten the shaft <laughs> yeah sounds yeah. like it <laughs> um yeah so we'll see what happens i i think that the rest of the school year should be okay depending the transit strike but 
if that kind of goes back. I, I, they just went on strike like three years ago. It's just so annoying. Yeah. <laughs> Why can't they just be paid and treated well? Come on, people. Yeah. It just, it feels like with today's economy, like everyone is going on strike because managers are all facing the crunch and um, unions are all pushing for better pay and, yeah. and everyone's so bullheaded about everything that no one's willing to like give on anything. And I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that union workers should settle for less. And I'm not saying that managers should give them everything they want, but there's got to be a middle ground and there's got to be a way to, you know, go in with good intent and try to find a balance. And from what I can tell, which is very little, I just, my gut is telling me that both sides aren't going in with good intent. Nope. At least that's the way it was with the, the TA strike last semester. And um, yeah, I mean, world's changing. So it is, yeah. Who, who, who knows? Doesn't help with inflation and everything. Everything is so much more expensive across the board and just cost yeah. of living and everything. So that probably also doesn't help. Uh, yeah, yeah. And there's lots of fears, lots of fears around interest rates and everything. But totally. I mean, they're, they're also the interest rates are plummeting right now. Yeah. So I think a lot of conversations that are happening is like, oh, interest rates are so high, inflation is so high and then the the other side is saying well they're coming down so we we can't give you that based on this because that's totally unfair and then you're going to be way ahead of market or whatever but like is market fit anyway we don't need to get into that conversation (laughs) this is not a political show (laughs) it's not it's not political and uh yeah um the did you guys get a lot of snow for we did yeah we got like i would probably say at the end about six or seven inches of snow okay probably. yeah it yeah. was uh but it, i mean it only lasted a couple of days and stuff and with our our new vehicle has snow mode and so i was driving that thing around and man it's so good in the snow i didn't slip <laughs> once so yeah it was yeah. awesome yeah uh, yeah Every, everyone in vancouver just forgets how to drive when snow comes i was like i and... periodically looked at uh, google maps in vancouver and it's just red everywhere I'm like, yeah. oh my god, it's a nightmare. Yeah, well, and then and then the transit was messed up. Well, the first day, actually, I will say that this year's snowfall, with the exception of people trying to get home from work on the first day, it was actually handled incredibly well. It's mm. one of the best Metro Vancouver snowfalls that I remember in recent years. Like, roads wow. are plowed very quickly. Um, there's lots of salting happening beforehand. Uh, transit barely was affected. Like, the SkyTrain was never affected. Amazing. Um, wow. Well, well, yeah, I mean, not like it was last year. Like, last oh, year, sure. the, half the SkyTrain completely shut down. Often, the SkyTrain is having issues with snow and stuff. But this one, with the exception of people having to be physically on the train to make sure it didn't have interference with the snow, I mean, it was very effective. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we have hills that buses can't get up and stuff like that. But yeah. for the most part, it was pretty... Reasonable. Uh, reasonable. Like, there was there was times where I saw, like, a snowplow immediately in front of a bus, and it was basically just driving the snow route. <laughs> the, the route with a snowplow <laughs> in front of it um for major routes and then yeah we woke up the next morning i couldn't believe it like our road was plowed which it's usually one of the last ones in burnaby to get plowed because it only services two buildings um and we're right on a hill so it's nearly impossible to get out but yeah the like other roads were well maintained and for the most part people were pretty reasonable like all the schools closed for two days a lot of businesses said like work from home or whatever so it wasn't too bad once people got home on the first day so Hmm. that's good to hear because i remember a few snow days in vancouver and it's just pandemonium (laughs) yeah yeah well yeah like i said like the last few that i remember when this happened like there's been a trickle down effect for for a year or for a day or two afterwards Mm -hmm. and um this this year just it was almost like immediately 
fine, which is really nice. Uh, oh, I remember, good. I remember in 2016, I think uh, there was a or beginning of 2017, maybe there was five Mondays in a row that it snowed. Wow! And then every other day of the week, it either rained or didn't, <laughs> and so the snow was always gone by the next Monday. And then it snowed every Monday for five weeks in a row, just by complete coincidence. And at the time, <laughs> I was working in a restaurant at on like a hill on like Broadway, Broadway, like kind of towards Kits. And every and I'd go in for inventory and stuff, and I'd, I'd be sitting down, and it was like commuting time, so like seven, eight, nine a.m. And mm-hmm. I'd be sitting down doing the paperwork, and I would just t- constantly be hearing cars just trying to like screech up the hill, oh, <laughs> and, <laughs> and struggling and stalling and whatever. And it was just it was very funny and, and amusing because, um, <laughs> uh, like at the time, no one was getting hurt, so it was totally no. fine. But that was also the year that the city ran out of salt, and That's people would awkward. have to, have to go to the fire station to get like a rationed amount of salt. <laughs> I think that that was pretty eye opening for the city at one yes. point. I'm glad yeah. they got it uh, sorted this year. At least it sounds like they did a yeah. fairly decent job. <laughs> yeah, it feels like it. I think because it was expected to be so horrific. Yeah. They were a lot more prepared for it, which is Fair. good. Yeah. Hmm. Classic Vancouver and their over- overcompensation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Let's get on with it. Well, uh, we start this, this is kind of a new uh, episode style for us that we've never done on the show before. Um, That's right. Jeff, do you want to kind of walk us through what we're doing today? Well, basically, instead of having two main topics and two small topics, we're going to do a oops, all small topics. So we've been accumulating uh, things that we've been tasting recently and uh, don't have enough episodes to put them all out. So we're going to play a little bit of catch up and kind of that middle segment where we normally do quick what have you been tastings. Uh, it's going to be all that this episode. So um, we've each brought a few and we're just going to go back and forth. And if you're interested in the deep dives that Dan does or the excessive amount of uh, blabbering about <laughs> places that I do, <laughs> uh, this isn't the episode, but uh, we're going to just talk about a bunch of stuff that we've been tasting and hopefully it inspires you to go out there and try something new. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, so I think we were talking before the show. I, Jeff went first last time for his for the last episode, and I so I will start today. And uh, for myself, the first one I want to talk to you about is one that I had like a few days ago, and this one we picked up. Uh, we saw uh, I saw an ad on Facebook saying that they were carrying it at our local liquor store just down the road from us. So I immediately, as one does, went and go went to go check it out, and where it was thankfully able to find it they hadn't sold out just yet but they were quick uh and it's a beer that's done by howl brewing and it's called aztec mocha dark ale and this one i sounds wonderful (laughs) yeah oh yeah it is it was surprising to me because i was expect so it pours like really dark uh hence dark ale obviously (laughs) and uh i was kind of expecting almost a stout like texture or a porter like texture like uh just really dark and smooth um kind of gives you that kind of warm feeling kind of uh like a hug that you get in the dead of winter and it was uh, the complete opposite so i remember tasting it for the first time and i was like whoa that took me by surprise and Mm -hmm. 
now that I reflect on it, it is technically an ale, so you're <laughs> it's still should so it shouldn't have been that much of a surprise to me. But <laughs> what I found really cool about this is that it had a lot of the flavor profiles of uh, a really nice uh, smooth. Uh, sorry, not smooth. A nice rich stout with lightness to it, if that makes sense. It was really really cool. So what it it aims to give you a cocoa, coffee, nutmeg, cinnamon, and cayenne. Spy, uh, flavor profile and yeah. I found it heavy on the coffee and then uh, a little bit of the, those spices in there coffee and chocolate I would say or co- cacao yeah. or whatever you want to call it uh, super heavy there and then a little bit of a burn at the end and I just really enjoyed the uh, the little bit little bit of spice to it at the end I didn't get a ton of nutmeg and cinnamon although it was kind of right in the middle uh, but not right on the nose but kind of just as the beer like passes your tongue and stuff you get mm-hmm. a little bit of that kind of nutmeggy little bit of spicy spice like cinnamon and then a little bit of burn right at the end yeah. of uh, of the sip and it was just a really incredibly done beer um, yeah, i'm sure the cinnamon and nutmeg just kind of give it a bit more warmth and not even not just kind of like as a standalone flavor and so totally i i would suspect even if you don't pick it out on its own if it weren't in there it would be a much flatter beer. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so it, it probably, like you said, it probably just gave it a bit more depth. And uh, but yes, this beer was fantastic. And some uh, like a dark ale. We talked about, I think it was last episode or the episode before about dark ales kind of becoming more coming to the forefront a little bit. A lot of breweries yeah. are starting to do them, as I imagine they're they have a lot of versatility to them because then you're kind of hitting a lot of people like dark beers, a lot of people like lighter beers. This one is like right in the middle and something that both kind of sides of of beer tasting can enjoy and uh and appreciate and this one knocks it out of the park this was a really enjoyable beer one that you could have in the winter or in the summer and it would give you the same it would give you what you were looking for for sure so if you're not in the mood for something that's super light or something super heavy something right in the middle this is the this is the beer for you for sure and howl brewing is just an amazing microbrewery out in uh, north saanich so i always always look out for for their beers when they come out on shelves they're they're always really fantastic yeah awesome the beer is called aztec mocha dark ale amazing the first one that I'm going to take you through is also alcoholic. Um, this one is the one that I've been able to find the least about. I think I found the most information about it actually on the can. Uh, mm. I'm pretty sure it's from Kelowna or Kamloops. One of those two, but I could be wrong. I know it's available for purchase in both BC and Alberta. Mm. It is called Club Car Beverage Co. Mm. And Club, Club Car Beverage Co. produces a handful of different kinds of um, cocktails in a can. And uh. it's going after kind of the vodka soda crowd but it's gonna have it has like more um delicious flavors and so they offer cranberry grapefruit lime blackberry strawberry lime mint uh peach raspberry vanilla and a pineapple lime mint mojito um and i tried the pineapple lime mint mojito and it was awesome it was really floral fruity uh had a nice kind of mojito rum to it it wasn't too sweet it didn't feel very heavy um there was uh yeah it wasn't too sweet it wasn't too strong it uh i think was pretty low calorically as well yeah only 125 calories in each can 
Hmm. Um, which when you're adding fruit juice and stuff, obviously is hard to keep that, that number so low. So it was super crushable, really refreshing. Um, didn't feel like a cocktail in a can in terms of being kind of like, like it felt like it was made with nice fresh fruit. And, uh, yeah, if, if it had been pouring on ice, I probably wouldn't have known the difference if I'm being completely honest. So yeah, really, really good, delicious flavor profile from there. And, um, they're available in cans all, all across BC and uh, in places in Alberta as well. Uh, I'm really, I really want to try the peach raspberry vanilla as well. And the black, blackberry strawberry lime mint sound phenomenal as well. And then I'm assuming I didn't get to try it, but the cranberry grapefruit is uh, probably really good for those who don't like, uh, or like a little bit more of a tart drink. Um, I'm not a huge fan of cranberry or grapefruit in my drink, so I probably will avoid it. But it looks good in the photos. And um, <laughs> I bet for the for the kind of person that wants something a little bit less um, sugary as well, even yes. like natural sugar, that's probably a really good option. So they've got a really good balance of different kind of um, flavor profiles and options. They got a really slick looking can. And what's really cool about them as well is that they give back to live musicians. And so they support kind of local musicians and artists in the province. And yeah, I think that their, their story is pretty good. I, like I said, I couldn't find too much about it, but they're, they're giving back to, they're giving back to the community and they're creating a really nice drink that's different from what a lot of places are producing. And uh, yeah, I'd love to see where they go. Yeah. Amazing. And tapping into a market that's exploding at the moment, right? And uh, it sounds like they've added their own uh, flavor profiles to it that are a bit out there and it, they sound yeah. fantastic. Well, and what's cool about this too is like we talked about in our uh, Christmas episode about kind of predictions and I predicted that it's going to be the year of takeout and the year of kind of staying home. And yeah. I think that this is this kind of drink is going to contribute to that where you can get like a high quality cocktail that you don't have to make yourself and um, is as mindless as opening a beer or a or a vodka soda and you can just pour it on ice and have a really nice cocktail just like you were out at the restaurant with your takeout food that's packed up in and brought home and um yeah i think i think a lot of people are going to be doing that kind of thing this year and i think that drinks like this are going to be really good for contributing to that and also non-alcoholic stuff and non-alcoholic versions as well of, as well they don't do any non-alcoholic but that kind of thing as well yeah 100 percent. oh i love it this is making me thirsty and it's making me crave like summer i think like just yeah. being in the dead of winter i'm just like oh i want something light and refreshing but i want to be outside in shorts and a t-shirt enjoying it <laughs> Yeah, yeah. You want something light and refreshing, but you want a reason to need something light and refreshing. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will say, though, I had this on a cold, rainy day in a warehouse um, for a screening of like this like food film. Yeah. And uh, they were all donated and all the money went towards the cause and everything, uh, which is another kind of checkmark towards the company that they were donating them. Mm-hmm. But uh, point being is that it was not a warm, hot day and I still thoroughly enjoyed it. So Wow. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, Dan, what's next from you? What's next from me is a collaboration. And mm. I feel like one of the breweries you're not going to be super surprised on because I talk about them a lot. But this one also includes one that you very much enjoy. And it's a collaboration Amazing. between Small Gods and Brassneck. Oh. Yes. And it's called the Lunar Hazy Pale Ale with Super Delic hops and so what it's basically done is it's a hazy pale ale and they've used um 
a uh, Lunar Crush, which is a thialized yeast strain. And what it does is it pushes um, pushes tropical flavors forward. And they've used, paired it with a Super Delic Hop, which also has mango, berry, citrus. And then it's warm fermented uh, in the yeast. And what you get is this incredibly crushable, beautifully balanced pale ale that is hazy and so juicy oh my gosh i don't know if i've ever had a a hazy pale ale that was this like juicy and just so so incredible i uh i uh was blown away when i had it at the brewery and uh they uh clearly two very very skilled and passionate teams working together and they've crushed this one and it is something to very much look out for if it, it ends up on shelves and it's hard to it's hard to come up with more complimentary words than than what I've already said. It is just a fabulous beer. So, so fresh and juicy. Oh, it's great. Do you think I could call it juicy one more time? I, like, or is that too much? Uh, maybe like once or twice. That'd okay. be fine. Yeah. Super yeah. juicy. <laughs> Super juicy. Sweet. Did you have that on tap there or did you I find did. it in a can? Yeah, I had it on tap as part of a flight when uh, we were there. It was what, when last time we went there and we, my wife and I got two flights there, uh, it was probably the two best flights that I've had just based on like this quality and style of beers that we had. It was amazing. Incredible. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, was it like pretty cloudy then too? It was, yeah. It very, uh, very cloudy. Uh, it was bright and kind of uh, a straw yellow, maybe a little bit darker than straw yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was beautiful. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, I haven't been to Brass Neck in so long. Just it's so like it used to be like a three minute walk from my place, and then we moved, and now it's like a twenty minute drive. Yeah, yeah, a bit more of a, a journey to get there, and it's sad because it's so good. Yeah, it is. They are they are incredible, incredible brewery. Yeah, yeah perfect. All right, what do you got for us next? Um, so I have a little sweet treat from a place called Purebred Bakery. They have several locations, actually. They have a Whistler, Squamish, Vancouver, and one at the airport, actually, the Vancouver uh-huh. airport. And they do bread and sweet treats and cakes and whatever else. And, um, I got to try, again, at the same event, they donated some little pastries and I got mm. to try a lemon blueberry bar. Ooh. And so it was like a nice crusty bottom with a lemon blueberry filling which wasn't too sweet which was awesome because a lot of places make it like really jammy and too sweet this one still had like pieces of blueberry in it it still had a little it had the citrus notes from the lemon which cut the sweetness it wasn't too sweet it just kind of let the the blueberries shine um and then it had a really beautiful light crumble on top which was like buttery in flavor but not like heavy like butter and it had very it was very well composed as a bar where it didn't completely fall apart but you felt like you were eating something super light so it had like that flakiness but it had enough structure to it that it didn't fall apart while you're eating it standing up networking it was super delicious i went back for more than one um (laughs) (laughs) and uh what i really liked about it as well is from what i could tell there it wasn't just like a plain base and a plain crumble with a blueberry filling it it seemed to me as if the lemon was also incorporated into the crust as well and that could have just been really it could have just been the way that they incorporated the the filling into the bar uh but it seemed to me like it was really well balanced across and in a really uh beautiful um flavor and texture profile the other thing to note about it which i find to be a problem in today's day and age is that a lot of places will make a really rich really sweet 
or kind of like potent filling and just do a tiny, tiny bit of it. And then like the bready part of it will be too much. And so you get like a bad balance of texture, like texturally, like there's enough flavor there, but it's not texturally appealing. Whereas Mm -hmm. this one had the nice kind of, it was a thick enough base to hold its own. And then it had a good solid amount of filling and then just a light crumble on top. So it was more like, you know, your mom or your dad's crumble that they'd make at home where they got like a satisfactory amount of filling in there that you got that good texture contrast between the the crunch well not even crunchy but the chewy and then the the more or less like jammy kind of texture so it was phenomenal um and that alone that one bar well the few bars that i had but the one type of bar made me want to go back and and try more of their baking because it was very very high quality and tasty amazing oh that sounds so good What's your favorite kind of bar? Honestly, I'm a big fan of uh, date squares. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why. Does that make me like an old person? (laughs) I mean, it's not prunes, so... No fair. It's it's better. Prune No, date bars are good. Date bars have like a nice natural sweetness to them that aren't overwhelming. But they do tend to be, I think, um, a little bland, I think. Oh, okay. The date date bars. Not because I think dates are bland, but I just think that because people, like it's overdone, I think it's just like the simplest one. So I think if you get like a good date bar, Mm -hmm. it's incredible. But I think that if you have like a very like generic date bar, like a grocery store date bar, it can be kind of texturally unappealing and and bland in my opinion yeah i agree with that and like it's they're so much better when they're from a small like bakery or something like that i can't i don't really like buying the ones that you know have been like pre-wrapped and stuff like that yeah yeah no not a fan and and if you get like really nice dates like there's some really good dates out there and just the generic ones that you get aren't nearly as flavorful as well and you can get some really good like caramelization off the dates so yeah Mm -hmm. i think that's great i i do like i do like when there's like little berries that kind of do a, a contrast in texture like this one had like the like actual like whole blueberries in it as well yeah in the in the filling and i really enjoyed that because it mm-hmm. kind of gave you like a little pop of that flavor um and you can't really do that with dates i guess you could do like little pieces but yeah i yeah. think i yeah i love bars i don't eat them enough i don't i'm not like a huge like sweet person mm-hmm. but a good bar is uh is very fulfilling <laughs> it is yeah it just gives you yeah. like just enough that you're just you're you're uh, satisfied but not like feeling gross at the end of it you know exactly yeah yeah, yeah. sweet yeah all right What's next from you? All right. Last one for me is uh, one uh, from your neck of the woods. Well, kind of your side of the water, I should say. And (laughs) one that we had the other night. And it was, uh, I I can't remember if we were trying to remember if we had had it before or if this was the first time we had tried it. I feel like we've had it before, but um, it's the Nutty Uncle Peanut Butter Stout by Dead Frog. Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah. So it's a creamy milk stout, uh, with dark chocolate and peanut butter and only slightly sweet. Um, and so, uh, but what I found was it really has the peanut butter at the forefront of the beer, which is really cool and not something that you see very often. I can't, I can't even remember if I've had another peanut butter style beer before, but, uh, it obviously makes the most sense for a stout. You think chocolate and peanut butter, Reese's peanut butter cups comes to mind. Uh, this one is really really uh good i will say it's on the richer side so i probably could only do maybe a can or a pint of it without feeling just a little bit overwhelmed by sweetness but Mm -hmm. man the experience of trying it and 
um, having the the chocolate and peanut butter in a beer form is just it's it's too it's too hard to say no to that. And uh, the Dead Frog did an incredible job of keeping it balanced, but also like really pushing that peanut butter flavor to the forefront of the beer. I found it very appealing and very tasty, um, and they did an incredible job. And definitely one to look out for in your local liquor stores. It's uh, such a cool experience, and especially this time of the year, uh, a nice rich stout is just oh, it's the best. In front of the warm fire or cozied up on the couch watching a movie or something like that in the dead of winter. Oh, this one yeah. is this one is uh, the one to go with for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, that sounds that sounds absolutely delicious. And exactly what you said, I feel like it's one of those ones where you probably can't have too many of them, but you mm-hmm. don't regret the one that you had. And it's just like super. I can see that being like a very good like winter fireplace. Oh yeah, or camping beer. or yeah. something like that in front of yeah, the fire, yeah. having uh, having some uh, s'mores or something, and this as your uh, to wash them down would be great. Oh, so oh yeah. Oh. Or make like um. Make like a beer brownie out of it. Ooh. Oh man, now stop. <laughs> that was, that's too that's too good sounding. Oh my yeah. goodness. Yeah, I am I'm consistently surprised by Dead Frog and the stuff they're putting out. Like we talked about this in the, again in the Christmas episode that I was I had kind of written them off um in terms of like being from the old guard and producing like very generic beers, but yeah. I was shocked when I went with a friend and so pleasantly surprised that they have such incredible flavor profiles and such like diverse options and mm-hmm. something like I think there's like what is it 24 um beers on top at any given time that are all dead frog beers all different flavor profiles and just yeah it's oh, really it, yeah it's something else and and yep. there's flavor profiles that other places just have never thought of doing so they uh and yeah you look at the menu and it just keeps going and going and going and you're like oh my yeah. gosh yeah i it's, still it's, love the fact that they give you a flight with one of each on them and it's just this yeah. massive thing that they have to bring out and oh so i mean cool. honestly it's the only way to do it 100 so. percent. yeah is, is it 24 good question the menu says the party paddle oh it's 16 <laughs> Oh, 16. Whoops. <laughs> Is it really only 16? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Must have three people minimum. That's annoying. <laughs> Right. Okay. So the paddle is 16, but they have 24 taps. Yes. It looks like. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Oh, and they do remixes as well. They do half of half the, it's called PB and J and it's half the Nutty Uncle Peanut Butter Stout and half Raspberry Warhead. <laughs> that sounds oh, so that cool. would be That would be a very interesting mix. Yeah. Oh and, I, and I think, I think unlike a lot of places as well, they're actually willing to make blends for you. Like yes. they're like, they're happy to pour that. And I think that a lot of places. Well, don't it's do on that. their menu. Yeah. That's what they call their yeah. uh rem- it's remixes so you just i mean if you came up with your own oh too. i'm sure that yeah, you yeah. would yeah i yeah, just come awesome. up with the most outlandish combination like some yeah. really hoppy ipa and then like a stout <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i mean people are, they're they're already doing that they're already brewing that they're the brewing like you know ips I, imperial pale stout or <laughs> imperial pale sour <laughs> yeah yeah they're doing like i mean they're doing all sorts of fun things and like st- i mean one of the next i guess the dark lager is kind of like a stout with a lager yeast so yeah yeah they're just doing these like super cool blends and and mixes i mean you can only you can only combine things the same way for so long before having yeah. to mix it up so totally so at a certain point you have to throw all the cards in the air and just do 52 card pickup and hope for the best so. <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah dead frog brewery must must go to now good english yeah. dad <laughs> <laughs> 
And while you're there, get the brewer's yeast popcorn. Exactly. Ooh, yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. All right, Jeff, let's finish her off. Yeah, so I got one more, and uh, for not being a sweet guy, I have another sweets on the <laughs> thing. Wow. So to tell you the story, I got to tell you a little bit of backstory. So I, growing up, my absolute favorite meal or dessert for birthdays and stuff, I'd always get my mom to make me was, it's called, it. they're baked meringues. And a meringue, if you don't know, is basically egg whites whipped to all hell with a little bit of cream and tartar and some sugar in there. And there's Mm. different types of meringues. There's Swiss meringues, French meringues, baked meringues, soft meringues, toasted meringues, like all these kinds of different things. Good grief. But this one particular recipe I could never get enough of was, back when I had more of a sweet tooth, was a a baked meringue. And basically you just take a meringue and you cook it in the oven at like 250 for like three hours and dehydrates it essentially. And you get this really crispy, light, fluffy, airy. You're essentially getting like a lighter, fluffier, harder marshmallow. If you can think about that as like a flavor profile. So... And no one that I knew had experienced this dessert before. So it, it showed up somewhere in my mom's life and she had discovered it. And I was like, that's, that's the dessert. And then, um, anyway, I haven't, I haven't had them for years. They're too sweet and, and, and whatever. But, um, I went out for dinner with my wife a few months ago to a Ukrainian restaurant called Kozak. And I have some Ukrainian heritage and my wife has Polish heritage. And so mm. it's kind of like ancient food of our, of our people in a way. <laughs> Um, like pierogies and cabbage rolls and stuff like that. Yeah. And we were on a cute date night and decided to get dessert, which again, we'd normally bypass dessert, but when we're in a new place, we like to kind of look and give it a try. And they had something called a Kiev cake. And oh. Kiev, as you may know, is the capital of Ukraine. And so I was like, well, what is this? And as it turns out, it is essentially a baked meringue cake with layers of like chocolate ganache and toasted hazel nuts on top so it's almost like a like a nutella baked meringue (laughs) wow and it is incredible and i don't know where it's been in my life before now i want to try making one um it's apparently a very traditional ukrainian dish and maybe that's somehow down the line evolved into turning in why my my love of baked meringue existed in the uh or in the (laughs) when i was younger but yeah basically it's like a a thin layer of baked meringue a filling like a softer filling often chocolate or like a buttercream like a simple like kind of cream filling and then another layer of baked meringue and then like chocolate on top and sometimes they decorate it more and then they put some toasted hazelnuts on top and it it eating it is really funny because like it crumbles like it's so light and airy and you get this big piece but it's not a big piece like a dense cake or an ice cream or something it's like super light and airy so as you put it in your mouth it like it like melts and dissolves because it's um like half air and uh you just get like that sweetness and a little bit of chocolate and the toastiness from the hazelnut and it oh man i i can't i can't speak highly enough about this uh it was so good and it and because a lot of ukrainian food um it it's not heavy but you get like you know pierogies and cabbage rolls and Mm -hmm. whatever and you kind of get those nice warm filling uh meals um this afterwards is such like a palate cleanser and it's really it's really rich but in a different way and not overwhelming and um it's not heavy. It's yeah. I I 
I have nothing but good things to say about it. That it's sounds so amazing. Good. I, I, I made my wife go back with me another time, <laughs> um, not because I wanted the food. I mean, the food was good, but mm-hmm. because I wanted the keef cake. And I was like, I'm I'm getting this. And she's like, do you want it? I'm like, I am getting this. <laughs> so I was so, yeah. And and I'm embarrassed to say I originally, like the description on the menu from Kozak, I yeah. was, had a hard time picturing what it was. And I didn't think I would really like it. I thought it would be like, ah, oh, whatever. Like, it's a cake. I'm not a big cake fan. Yeah. And um, it came and I was like, oh, this isn't what I was expecting. And then I tried it and I was like, I am so happy I got this. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you so can't, judge, know... can't judge a book by its cover. There you go. Yeah, Perfect exactly. Example. And I, I don't know if this is like a common dish in other Ukrainian restaurants. I don't even know if there are other Ukrainian restaurants or if it's um, exclusive to Ukraine or if it's kind of all over um, that part of Eastern Europe, but or different variations. But this one I found at Kozak, which has a couple locations, one's in Gaston, one's in New West. And I think they have one more um, and it's called a Kiev cake. And uh, if I do try to make one, I'll let you know how it goes because yeah, do it. A meringue is not easy to make, and uh, no. yeah, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if it's good. You should mail me a slice. Do it. Mm-hmm. That'll do go it. well. Yes, do it. <laughs> we'll fragile. <get> destroyed. <laughs> yeah, fragile. <laughs> That'll make it better. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> the internet says that a Kiev cake is a dessert cake produced in Kiev, Ukraine, December 6, 1956, wow. by the Karl Marx Confectionery Factory, which is now a subsidiary of the Roshan Corporation. It quickly gained popularity throughout the Soviet Union. So, hmm, wow. Yeah. And the more so, you know. More you know. Anyway, it's uh, delicious. <laughs> Awesome. All well, right. That was fun. Yeah. We got to checked off a few things off of our uh, tasted lists. Yeah. Uh, if you get out there and get to try any of these, let us know what you think. Because uh, hopefully you like them as much as we do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the Keef cake. <laughs> <laughs> it, all of these things can make a delightful picnic. Yeah. A booze-filled picnic. Well, that about wraps it up for this leg of our journey. Taste BC Radio is recorded, edited, and produced by Jeff Wilson and me, Dan Kavanaugh. You can continue the journey and check out everywhere we talked about today in the show notes and our Taste BC map. Make sure to follow us at Taste BC Radio on Instagram and Facebook, and we'd love to have you join our community on Patreon. You can also now connect with us on Untapped. Links are in the show notes. Tune in next time to find out what we will be tasting next, and never miss an episode by subscribing on your podcast app. In the meantime, make sure to rate and review the show. This really helps us grow and we really do appreciate the feedback until next time support local and keep it tasty nice you want to say just to say the uh the name of the beer again just that way we can close out like bookend it with the names yes as oh gosh i just closed it of course aztec mocha dark ale oh aztec mocha dark ale aztec sorry (laughs) can you can you use it in a sentence (laughs) (laughs) yes